Good evening, friends. Welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Are you uh, nice and warm on this Monday? I, I am. I am in the uh, our Mexican office that we've got, our satellite office <laughs> happening. Uh, yeah, it's um, we had a couple of these where, I mean, you're, you're generally all over the world, so you're you're mobile at at any time that's a that's a bold it seems a bold way to put like compared to people who don't go you know like you normally don't go much further than indianapolis Terre Haute, once in a while chicago which is like four or five hours right right uh but you mostly stay within like a one hour radius of your home which is true i think for the majority of people um and except for trips obviously but yes Right, vacations. Yes. Um, I, so far, I've been doing this almost two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I started living in the camper August of 21, and I started traveling in the camper after the holidays, after Thanksgiving, um, thanks to that scooter accident. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever that timeline is. And then in that time, twice, I went down to Texas. Once I went to Florida. And then last spring and summer, I was in Virginia, a little bit of Maine, mostly Pennsylvania, and then back. So it feels like a small radius, although from South Indiana to Texas is like 12 hours. It's a good good amount, yeah. It's a a pretty long way. Um, Nothing like going out west, though. Yeah. Yeah, nothing like where I am now, which is on the... Border. I guess I got here Monday, so we probably talked about this last week. But I'm on the border of Washington and Idaho. Mm-hmm. I am in Pacific time, which has been a little strange, but not at all unwelcome um, because my because our home office is in Maryland for work. Uh, my whole day schedule is shifted forward about three hours. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, right. Yeah. W- when I was in Texas, it was just an hour, and I was like. Okay, this isn't bad. Um, my boss is in Utah, so our schedule is not super early normally. It's it's early. It's a little early for him, but <clears throat> he tries to be done around like 3 his time, uh, which for me in Eastern time in Indiana was like 6, which is yeah, fine. Okay. Sure. I'd finish work, do some stuff. We'd record once a week and you i was usually up midnight at the absolute earliest and usually more like one or two we were talking about this off air but Mm. you know for some reason three was like my wall throughout my 20s and 30s (laughs) um when i probably the 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 most i deviated from that was back in my late 20s when I was working for Trotsky and our office got shut down, we all got laid off and I had an apartment and I was playing wow and I had no job, but I was collecting unemployment and I just slept and ate and played wow. And I, (laughs) yeah, we, we probably got together the guys to do stuff once in a while, but I would play wow until it's, it was almost dawn until I could see the, light around my curtains start to glow blue and i'm like <laughs> right, yeah. oh oh it's like five it's time to wrap this up right <laughs> it's 5 a.m i should probably go to bed 
and then I'll have breakfast at like one in the afternoon or something. Um, I obviously right. don't do that. Haven't done that. And that was the only time I think once or twice when I lived in Bloomington, we would stay out and close out the bars and I'd be walking home and the birds were already singing. It's like four in the morning or whatever. <laughs> um, but here I'm, I'm getting up, you know, my alarm is at seven, but I'll wake up often before that. I'll wake up at like six or six thirty, um, and work and be done working like around two and have a few hours to, you know, walk the dog or just sit outside and, um, and then go to bed, you know, at like 10, (laughs) maybe 11. Like I, I get tired so much earlier, but it's, it's been pretty nice to have those extra hours of the day where it's nice. Now I've only been here a week, so we'll see. Are they they already is your family already starting to call you Old Man Rogers? Not yet, Cause, though. Because um, you get up, you get up, you get up real early and go to bed early. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, my sister Sarah has been on that daily schedule um, for quite a few years now, uh, so I think it's it's not, and it's not, you know, it's not too far off from the schedule that my parents keep, like. You know, mom yeah. gets up super early all the time. Anyway, I'm still, um, I'm still a, I'm still a, like a late sleeper. But I mean, now since a, you know at her mom's, it's it's weird. I'm gonna have to figure out. I'm gonna have to figure out a schedule because <laughs> I can't, I can't do the stay up late as late as I want and then get up and go to work and then, you know, before I'd always like I gotta get up earlier because of Sid and now I've got a little bit of time just to sleep in. It's just a, it's mm-hmm. different. But I'll figure that out. I don't. I still think I'll be a late sleeper in general um nighttime just i as our buddy trotsky and i have the same thing where we're very productive late at night when like everyone else kind of sure. goes to bed i'm i'm actually really on it with stuff and can mm-hmm. do a lot of things and and i i feel like i accomplished a lot of things um past 11:30 and i know for some right. people that's like insane um but i just so going to bed right when i'm just want to do all sorts of stuff is always very difficult for me and most of the time i have to do that it's because like you know i haven't had enough sleep and i need to intentionally go to bed at 11 you know that's a that has to be a very intentional thing but but anyway time zone things yeah we had a little bit of issue here with you know you and i talking about figuring out how how did it not only was i at home and not at home i'm in a different place and you are also i just got to another place so we both didn't have this weird schedules i have uh i'm about an hour south i'm in a place called uh playa uh playa maroma it's the catalonia resort it's an hour south of cancun on the yucatan peninsula it's okay it's uh yeah it's, it's been 80 sorry in the 90s here um of course we're right, the resort's right up on the ocean it's actually like kind of a long recti- rectangle and uh, the way this area if anyone's ever flown to the Yucatan Peninsula before, um, and looked out the window, uh, the whole thing is a very, very, very dense jungle. Like there's no way you would get a foot into it without a hatchet to get through like a machete, a machete. Yeah. And, and I'm talking like what you see when you see movies of jungles does not do this justice from f- Florida to as high as you can see just crazy thick everything so you just have to hack every second and and when you look out your window i say that because it just the little girl behind me said it looks like grass 
because it's just so straight carpet of green. And then as you start to get closer, you realize. And then all of a sudden, there's like Cancun. It's not like America, where America has all the way across it almost like squares. Um, so right. where it's been cultivated and things. And then there's little cities. Uh, but here, it's just not. So that's what I'm trying to say is that the resort sits in the jungle. Um, and it's carved out, this big rectangle kind of carved into it. And the jungle, we walk through it oftentimes. Between building and building, there's jungle. Um, and it's really pretty because it's kind of got tunnels uh, through the jungle and with sure. lights. It's all lit up and things like that. So it's very pretty. Uh, but it's very hot. I was like trying to get it to. It's very hot and humid when you go anywhere that's not the beach area. Um, sure. And and I, well, I think jungle. we said. Yeah. Yeah. We said you, ju very jungle. And we. Um, but but as soon as you hit that beach, it's like the perfect world. You know, crystal blue waters, white, white sands constant breeze day and night that's perfect um mm -hmm. so it's, it, it is i just uh, i went on this trip with uh our buddy trotsky for for most of it i'm not now here the last couple of days by myself but um we were talking and it was like i can't imagine the people who successfully hacked their way at some point for the first time to get through this jungle <laughs> and came through to paradise just you know you break through and here is the most wonderful place on earth type thing not that it is right. but i mean it's just gorgeous um so yeah that's that's kind of been been my week and i don't i don't have a lot to say about i mean the place is wonderful i we highly re recommend this place to everybody catalonia hotels is, we're not paid by any of that kind of thing or resorts mm -hmm. it's just a, a wonderful relaxing everything you could want um the people here in mexico are extremely kind and generous and don't ask for anything in return type stuff. It's just wonderful. I, can't, I cannot speak more volumes about, about the experience that, than I've had. Uh, now, I will say the experience has been very tunneled, meaning that I it, go through a very specific route from the airport through customs to a predetermined prepaid uh, mm. shuttle to the, the resort. And then I've been in the resort and the same thing back. So it's not like I've gone um. walking through stuff yeah what's the what's the word i'm looking for for that um it's not, a tourist gated, is what it it's, is for sure. it's like gated or fenced or walled garden is probably the 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 term of art i'm looking for there um yeah, yeah. well it's it's I, but all i can say about the people i just really wanted to speak to the, the, i that so i just kind of want to say that to say that i know it's not like truly exploring the mexican culture or whatever but the people are <laughs> still i've been here for a week and we don't i haven't done mike and i haven't done anything but stay at the resort and enjoy the resort uh, for this sure. vacation so we get to know the people you know the same people and they work long hours we've got a guy we like to end up by the beach who serves us drinks his name's fernando and he works from eight o'clock in the morning till midnight and he's worked at we've i've seen him out there the last four days um and sure. we, we, we talk to them all the time and they know us and they're just so kind and they help, they give us, they bring us things, they do stuff. And that's, I, that's just a nice person. And I've stayed at resorts in the U.S. and it's not always that same way. Um, no. It's not, not as personal. So anyway, I just want to give huge props to that one. And a, a different thing, I've been out of country before, but probably the, the most oddest thing for me, and this is very stupid, is that it feels, I think we believe that this resort is an Italian resort because 
when there's anyone around, they're speaking Italian, not Spanish. There's some Spanish, but, not, but there's not English. We're, I think so far we've seen one or two other person in this really big resort that speaks English. Um, so I'll walk down and I'll see someone and I'll go, you know, hello or good morning. And it's, it's ciao, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, we forget. And then they, when they say things, they're not saying it just in Spanish. They say it in Italian, um, which is, yeah, it's very interesting, uh, for, for a place that's in Mexico. Um, and, and we have, one of the things we like to give tips to is that there are what they call the animation team. It's, it's basically an activities team that does all the activities that you do throughout the resort all the time, they're running them, shows or, or whatever. There's this one lady, this one girl who works at the pool during the day, and she's so excited, and she'll run, you know, bingo or, or water polo, uh, volleyball, and all sorts of games, right? Um, and she just talks all day. But what she's doing is she says... You know, here, come over here. We're going to start playing bingo. Get yourself together. It's going to be really fun. And here's your activity. And everybody get your board. You know, she'll say like that. And then she'll repeat it in French, the whole same thing. And then she'll repeat it in Italian. And then she'll repeat it in Spanish. And then she says the next thing in English. And then she says it in Italian. So she's never taught, stops talking all day long. It's mm-hmm. just languages and languages. I'm like, wow, that is. We, and we, lo- we loved her. We just get, walk by and give her a little tip because she does such a great job. Um, but yeah, it's, it, that's, that's all, there's not much more to say about that. And it's just been a good time. The only downside I have is that sand fleas will, I've been sitting on the beach so much on the, um, hammock that, uh, they like my skin and I've got little red bumps all over my legs from sand fleas and that they suck. Yeah. They're the worst. Uh, we played, we played some games. Mike and I brought a bunch of games. You want to hear my story right. about games? You're going to like this. Okay. Okay. Get, this is great. Uh, sorry, I feel like I'm dominating the conversation here. I just want to say this. We got, Mike and I decided we want to bring, because we're super nerds, obviously, and we mm-hmm. and we got a bunch of board games. And uh, I just had all my, I usually have all my clothes that can fit on a carry-on. I don't need to pack right. a suitcase. But I went Southwest this time. And they give you two free suitcases. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Mike and I came up with the idea that we would just take take a suitcase and we just pack it full of games, like pack it full of games. As long as we didn't go over the 50 pounds, we wouldn't have to pay extra, and it's free. Uh, cool. So I took this big suitcase and packed it up. It ended up with like 47 and a half pounds of games. There's a lot in there. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. I, I weighed it carefully myself with it and everything before we left. Um, and I get here and I go through customs, right? And get to get to find the Mexican custom things, pulls me to the side. And I, I open up the, the stuff and they're checking my bag. They're checking very diligently every little pocket, everything they pull out. They they pull out everything, right? I'm mm. like, okay, cool. Uh, and, and I have my carry-on, my clothes is tightly packed. So they really had to pull a lot of stuff out. And then here we go, pull up this big suitcase out. It's a big suitcase. And I, and I jokingly say, this is going to be easy. It's just games. And I open it up, and it's games. And the lady looks at me, gives me a side eye, and she says, what are these for? I said, oh, they're, they're, they're games. She goes, how much are these games? And I said, I, I don't really know. Most of those were my buddy Trotsky's, not, not mine. And... Mm-hmm. 
I said, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think there's, I was pointing at Star Wars Rebels. I think that one's $100. And I was like, some of these are kind of expensive. And she was like, oh, they are. And then all of a sudden, it realized what this looked like. And she was very skeptical. And she starts looking around, and she calls a manager over. And they're like police people, right? Customs yeah, officers. Yeah. And they walk over, and he just gives it a look and shakes his head, and they're looking through. And like, what is this for? And I was like, well, we're going to play games. And it just realized to me, they think I'm a salesman with a bunch of games bringing into the country. Oh, okay, and I'm like, okay, yeah. oh, this is not great. And he's like, you can't have this. I was like, what? what? I'm just – and then I start playing. I got I to gotta play the nerd card here real bad. Like, oh, no, no, we're just a bunch of geeks playing games, you know. And they were not going for it at all, especially because some of the boxes were sealed. Mm. which was fantastic, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, and so he said, nope, you can have five. You can bring five in the country, and that's it. And I, we <laughs> have a suitcase full of games. And, like, I, I, and I just kept doing the like little, like, I can't hear you very well. I can't understand what you're saying too much. And please repeat it. And I don't know. And she tells me, like, you have to pay taxes on all of these. Um, right. And I was like, I don't know what to do and i can keep explaining that my friend is here but he took another airline she's like where where's he at and i was like he's in a different airline came in at a different time and it was just it, i i think i wore her down is what happened because eventually mm -hmm. she just she just it took like 15 20 minutes um in which time she opened up every single game and poured out every contents of every oh, game oh no <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough because all the pieces go everywhere, and she's just pouring them in the bottom. And as she pours them out, I immediately dart to start putting them back in, right? Right. Before she mixes all the components, um, yeah, but yeah. she doesn't seem to care. It's just you know, open them up, look through stuff, and then turn it upside down, and it all falls to the bottom of the suitcase. And I'm, then I start picking them up and putting them back in the box as she starts unwrapping the next one and. Oh, it was not fun, and so now I'm, I've got the same thing, and I got to go back, and I'm hoping it, they don't freak out and think that I bought a lot of games down here and I'm coming back up and etc. I don't. Yeah, know. I mean at least you'll know because some of probably some of what you, some of how you answered the question, you know, implied that I think I mentioned before, um, the actually the last time I came to Idaho. Um, I, <clears throat> or maybe it was when I met, I think it was one of the, one of the times that I met up with my coworkers for a while. I had one of those, um, long white card, uh, card boxes, right? The self-assemble boxes you put like magic cards in. Yeah. And because I was not checking bags, I was just doing carry on. I took like legendary and a couple other games and just took all the cards and left the boxes and everything, packed all the cards into this long card box and packed it in the middle of my carry-on bag. Well, of course, they run it through the scanner and they're like, what is that? That's a <laughs> long square block that yeah. just shows solid white on the x-ray <laughs> yeah. scanner. And they have to like take it out and I'm like, no, these are just cards for a game, you know, kind of kind of thing. But... They they yeah. really didn't understand games, right? They clearly it was not like with you. What do you mean, right. bunch of cards? And yeah, they. I, I get that they also had to 
catch people who are trying to get around taxes or whatever the thing might be. But sure, um, yeah. I think one of I the mean, things it's that not like like if you were flying into Indianapolis uh, right before Gen Con, that might be one thing. But there's probably like you know, I, I doubt too many people are going to a, a beach resort in Mexico and playing fancy card, uh, you know, fancy board games. Yeah, no, I, you're right, for sure. Right. They're maybe playing cards or they're going somewhere to gamble with dice, but they're not bringing a suitcase full of, you know, right. Gen Con board games. <laughs> yeah, which which we know, we know, right? We accepted that yeah. thing. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I think another thing, too, is that I had initially said that, like, one of the games was $100, and she really wanted me to know how much all these games were worth. Right. Um, and, and honestly, I didn't know because most of them were his. Uh, I'm pretty sure now when I go through, if they ask me that question, I'm going to be like, they're $15, $20 maybe a piece, you know? Mm-hmm. So so maybe they'll say like, oh, it's not very much worth dealing with. Um, right. Because they are all, all open, all but one or two, and we're all opened. And um, one of the things that I think helped her finally just let me move on is that she went through my other bag that my carry-on and i had a whole bunch of i had a lot of the instruction booklets because i was reading them on the plane Hmm. and she was like what are these and i was like they are instructions to these games because i was wanting to play them and learn them so i read them on the plane Um, and that's when she was like okay just move on just just go on you know (laughs) stinking nerd um she just really didn't know what to do with that Uh, i did the other little adventure story i had i mean it's probably not I mean, I don't, I don't want to generalize or stereotype here, but they're probably not a culture of people who have a lot of overlap with that, right? It's a little bit like um, the movie. I know you haven't seen this, but the the pinball movie from I think it was last year. Mm -hmm. Um, A major part of that story is that pinball games were banned in all of New York state, New Jersey, several other states with the, the stories mainly about New York. Um, they were banned because the, the governor or whoever, um, the politicians thought it was gambling, right? They couldn't distinguish uh-huh. between, well, they could, they thought it was a game of chance because the early, um, you know, the earlier, earliest versions of pinball were those things where you drop a coin in it, falls down the thing and hits these pins and depending on where it lands you win or you lose right there's no flippers there's no yeah. um it is a game of chance originally or was yeah, is, yeah whatever yeah. um and so yeah how do you explain <laughs> how do you explain to a mexican airport customs officer like the world of uh, uh, board gaming. <laughs> you don't because, because you can barely explain boring. that to a U.S. customs agent, let alone a right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, where I where I got stopped and questioned, uh, I forget if it was Spokane, Washington. No, it was. Um, I think it was in Baltimore, right? Like, mm. this is the U.S., right? But like, dude, I'm I'm not saying that there are not. TSA officers who play board games, but sure. the the average, the typical, um, you, you know, like remember how big of news it was that Andrew Luck played Settlers of Catan? 
Oh, right, yeah, right, right, yeah. You're like, Settlers of Catan is the most basic, well-known... Um, board uh, game. Board game. I don't know how to distinguish. I used to say craft board games, but that's not even close. So right. Non-Monopoly. That's not Risk or Monopoly. Um, and, you know, you're talking about you're talking about a professional football player, you know, <laughs> right, somebody yeah. who has money to spare. That's um, so what makes Henry Cavill so popular, right? Because he plays games or something like that. Or, exactly. or there was a exactly. football player or a baseball player I know that played MMOs and such. Uh, those are right. the rarities. Uh, the, the only other I, – I do have a, a small two-minute story. It's not really a story. It's just like a thing that happened. I took two flights. One was to Baltimore then one was to here out right. of Indy, and I went to – um, when we got in this plane from on Southwest to in the air, and as we were climbing, um, I was pretty tired. I had we had um, a five o'clock in the morning flight, and it's an international flight, so I had to be there way way early. And I didn't sleep the night before. I was very exhausted. Um, sure. And I and I had planned on doing two things: sleeping on the planes, and watching our movie this week. Um, so. Right. I and I had a real bad headache. It's just one of those things I just had a bad headache that needed to just sleep, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we so we take off, the plane's going up, and I'm like, okay, this is good. I'm actually, I'm in the middle middle row here. It's where you got to visualize this. I'm on the plane has two seats on the left and three on the right. I'm on the right with um, the middle seat, and the two people on my okay. left and right are very nice people, right? And the lights are dimmed, like it's because it's still dark out. I'm like this is great. I've got a, you know, I got a neck pillow. I'm feeling good. I'm really comfortable, and I can actually sleep here. This will be, this will be nice. And it's, you know, still climbing. We're still going up. And the waitress lady decides that she's going to start getting drink orders, right? Or not? I sorry, mm-hmm. not waitress lady, the stewardess, uh, flight attendant. Yeah, flight attendant. My my apologies, tr- truly. Uh, but at this time, she's kind of being a waitress with getting the drinks, right? And I thought, okay, I'll get right. a glass. I'll get a glass of water and orange juice, and I'll just go to sleep. Uh, and she gets down, and she as she comes down the aisle, and I'm near about four or five deep from the front. Uh, she um, orders the aisle across from us, across the aisle, the row, and okay. she. You know, ask the guy who seems to be kind of sleeping, and then he doesn't respond. So she taps him. He doesn't respond. She taps him some more, sir, sir. And I look over, and he's looking up at the sky with his with his mouth open and not responsive. And oh my god, I know. And he is like I said, there's just a lady to my left that's next to him, and there's the aisle, and he's right on the aisle on the other side. Um, and he is totally not responsive, and she's like, sir, sir, and she starts shaking him, and he is eyes wide open, looking straight up not responding and i'm like oh what the hell starting like just kind of not know what to do she didn't know what to do so she kind of quickly runs to the front gets on the pa system and asks if there's anyone who has medical experience and the lady next to me next across from him was a doctor and there were two other doctors on the plane as well and they rush up and he has no pulse and so they are like, he's a big guy. He's a kind of a big, heavy set guy, like in his 70s, it looks. Okay. And they start to pull him out of the chair to lay him on the ground to do CPR. Um, and as soon as they pull him out of the 
start to pull him out of the chair, trying to get him. He rouses enough where he, his eyes move and he is, he's like alive is basically the thing. Uh, but he's Ooh. just barely right. And they still, they find like on his wrist or something, um, right at the, like the ball of the wrist, they find a very, very, very weak pulse. Now I can hear it cause they're right there, right, right next to me. And they're like, okay, I got it something, but it's very, very, very weak. And they're trying everything they can. They put an IV in him. They get an IV holding right. over him. Uh, they go through his bag and see that he's a diabetic. And they stick okay. him. And they like they got a, he's got a little sticking little blood tester thing. And they're yep, and all yep. of the words I heard was bottomed out. That's all I heard. Uh, sugar's bottomed out. Um, sure, blood sugar. And he's not really responsive. He's just staring and then moves his mouth a little bit. They're trying to talk to him. He's not responsive. And then he kind of goes in and out. Like, oh, man, he's not going to make this at all. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do. And the worst part of this kind of, well, besides the poor fella, is that periodically the pilot would come across and say, like, you can all turn off your uh, seatbelts now and feel free to walk about the cabin. Oh, if you look out the sure. left side, we're going to up on Baltimore or we're coming up on the, the Midwest or something like that. No one had told the pilot what's going on, obviously. Yeah. And he just yeah. kept business as usual. Um, so I wonder, pre-9-11, pre his door would have been open, so he probably would have known. Yeah, I, 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 after this whole thing, we, we kind of discussed it. And I think, I don't even know if they're allowed to communicate with the pilot um, because the Southwest uh, lady got on, she plugged these special headsets and special ports kind of near us. And, it, and we mm -hmm. could see it said medical use only. And she, I think she was talking to the ground with medical stuff. So if it had been a medical emergency, probably the towers would have called up to the pilot. But I don't think anyone, oh, see. I'm going to have to read about that, but I don't think the pilot now post nine 11, anyone from the cabin can speak to the pilot from the crew at all. So they wouldn't know if something was, was happening back there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that's, and it, he did that multiple times throughout the th stuff. When like I said, when they've got IVs, they're holding the IV up and stuff. Um, so anyway, yeah, he, he eventually made it. He didn't make it all the way to Baltimore. Um, he, the IV, I think, was the biggest thing that helped. He was sweating. They said the lady had said he was super cold and clammy. Um, right. Yeah. They had him take drink as much orange juice as he could drink, and he was like shaking mm -hmm. and trembling as he was trying to get it to his mouth. And yeah, it was. And then and then he would like again zone out, or like he, his head would go back and he'd kind of flop. And oh yeah. man, it was the whole trip was like this is. This is not great. Uh, not until we started the descent there was he talking and answering questions, who he was, you know, Lucid, any, yeah. any problems he had. They had, he had heart medicine too, so I don't know what that, you know, if that could have been a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that was an adventure, Dennis, and that's why I didn't get to watch our movie until <laughs> later on here this week. <laughs> uh, oh, I, that's a, I can't, like. I could make a joke about that with the theme of our movie, but I'm not going to. <laughs> you know, with the theme, of, I don't know what to do. And I, and then my next thing was, I got to Baltimore, and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna. If it's like the Indianapolis Airport, I'm just gonna go find a corner because I'm exhausted. I still need to have a headache, and my adrenaline rush from the near death guy next to me is, you know, yeah. going down, kind of crashing. I need, I'm just gonna find a corner and sleep on the floor. Baltimore is a massive 
airport mm-hmm. and yeah. is constantly packed and busy. And none of the chairs are anywhere near comfortable. They're all very, very blocky. Mm-hmm. So I never got to rest then. I did sleep <laughs> on the way here. But... Wow, okay. That was a long story. I apologize. I didn't mean for that one. But it was a life story, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Well, hey, that does lead into our show, though, because it's about death. All right. Uh, this week we watched What Dreams May Come. It's from 1998. Oh, uh, pre-2000. Okay. Pre-2000. Robin Williams, Cuba Gooding, Gooding Jr., um, Max von Sydow in there uh, oh yeah um, it's from flash gordon yeah emperor ming flash gordon he was in episode seven force awakens for newer people yeah i mean obviously just had a long storied career right um uh keiko o'brien was in this oh uh, was she the was she the the well uh, air attendant flight attendant lady yeah yeah Okay, um, I knew I recognized her. She's one of my least favorite Star Trek characters. So I spot <laughs> <her right> away. <laughs> she just always, almost every time she's on screen, not always, but just very often. Like I think partly because O'Brien, Miles O'Brien, is so such a likable everyman. She often is this like kind of shrewish wife character. The writing that yeah. they gave her. Um, well, he has to be tortured so, his whole life. That's that's his deal, right? right? Yeah, yeah, especially in Deep Space Nine. And yeah. in Deep Space Nine, she butts heads with uh, with Vedic Wynn, right? The, oh, yeah. the, the actress who played um, Nurse Ratchet, mm-hmm. who is, you know, so often this, like, very unreasonable, um, like, moralizing kind of character. And so they're, right. they're just butting heads. And you're like, uh, can... And Cisco just throw them both out the air, <laughs> and then the um, problem solved for a lot of people. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, this. Um, Had you? Well, we'll start with the, the, what we usually do. Have you seen this before? No, I hadn't seen this before. This came out at a time where I would have been, um, well, I would have been like a junior in high school, but I would have been strongly opposed to the entire concept of a movie making so many statements about the afterlife. Sure. Um, And so, no, I've never seen it. Uh, It is weird. Very, very strange. It's uh, theoretical. I think it's, I, I, I will say, the thing I think I liked most about it back when I watched it originally, and I want to say I watched it probably a year after or something, around the same time it came out, um, mm-hmm. was the same reasons that you were talking about. I I, I like the the thought of, you know, post-life, I guess. Um, sure. And I mean, I also, somewhere around that time, I guess probably would have been a couple years later, watched... Um, Oh, what's it called? Shoot. It's Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan, um, where he is an angel. 
Oh yeah, City of Angels. City of Angels, that's it. Yeah. Um which I know some of my friends uh objected to for similar sort of moral reasons, religious reasons, and I really liked that movie. Yeah. Um sure. So now the of course that gets into the like are angels people who have died? No. Yeah, I'm right. Of ghosts. Thing, right. But of course in media all the time uh you know going back as far as it's wonderful life and i'm sure properties before that portray angels as good people who have passed on and are now doing this work right. um in the afterlife which is a weird well i i concept, uh but... I, i've been i've been open on the show and and everywhere else you know that my faith is christianity i'm i'm a strong believer in in christianity but i also am a very open minded uh, person even about my own faith and about other faiths and i don't think as with things beyond religion which we don't talk about here really but it kind of applies to this show um is that we know more about our own faith by examining others and or our own sure. not just not just faith but uh our own lifestyles by examining others our own preferences by examining diverse it's diversity is what i'm trying to say here is is you know yeah, yeah, yeah. really challenging your own thoughts and and um, and, I, and I think if you don't challenge your own thoughts and beliefs, then you're as blind as I don't know of any belief that truly, when you go into it, believes that you should do something blindly. I know at least Christianity shouldn't and doesn't. If if you read things, I don't want to go into too much, but when you think about a heaven, which this movie has to to do with, like that's not heaven; it's the afterlife, right? The, the, but when they, I was, when they I was, say heaven. Many t- they oh, do say they say heaven? heaven? Yeah, because he's trying to, he's try, they uh, they say heaven and hell, and the way they try to They'll, explain it, they're, they're they're vague about it at first, and then a couple scenes later, like they're just straight up saying heaven. And hell. Say, say heaven and hell, right? So this, uh, I, you know, when you're a little kid, when you're five and six, concept of ultimate happiness and ultimate pain, from my rough southern baptist raising which then have changed <laughs> from that sect but um sure. it is is very the best way you can explain it to uh, someone young and everything but when the concept of eternal you know eating ice cream for for eternity feels terrible because i've had ice cream every day for a week and realize that that lasts not even a week before that thing. And if I had eternal, all the things I wanted, it would last maybe a, a year at most. Right. And then it would be basically hell. Um, and then hell's the same way. If I'd been tortured forever, then you're just tortured. And it's not, it's just hard concept to think of what, what would actually be. And then you learn in life that there are some things worse than just pain. Right. Uh, there are things that are happiness that aren't just like physical pleasure. Um, so when you watch a movie like this, so I'm bringing it back around, it helps you <laughs> try to think outside of the box about concepts of what an afterlife could be when the physical, it's not about the physical body or we're not constrained with the world of science and physics and time. Um, yeah, some sort of mystical, uh, ideas. Yeah, so this was a movie, one of the first movies that I remember watching, and really just kind of going, huh, and then spending days afterwards just really pondering, 
what could be and what is. And this movie, mm. I don't think it, I mean, it gives, it tries to give you answers, I guess, but it's all just conceptual. Weird is the right word that you used. Um, and I, I enjoyed it because of that. Um, I think it held up. Um, I don't think I felt age was aged uh, any differently in the last 20 years. Um, but yeah, a lot not of really, I mean, aside from what cars they drive or whatever, but oh, most sure. of the film takes place in the afterlife. So, you know, that's fairly, at least in this representation, it's fairly timeless. Yeah. Uh, I will say this, the movie doesn't work at all without Robin Williams and Cuba Gooding Jr. Like as, as Trotsky and I were watching it, it's just this, their power playing the whole time, you know, with mm. emotions you know, Robin, sure. Robin Williams is giving huge emotional performance. Then Cuba Gooding Jr. does this mystical person doc, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then he has some really powerful stuff that happens that he goes through when he, you know, fights against the guy and then ultimately comes together with him. Um, and man, does it just hit on some really hard, hard subjects. Uh, would you Would you say it's a good movie or just too weird to understand it's hard i i compared it in my mind a lot to inception Mm, yes that's fair Um, that kind of way it makes you think yeah obviously not the the sort of heist um main main story of inception but the Mm -hmm. the sort of metaphysical side story of tom cruise and his um um, and his wife <clears throat> and the way that that movie ends um this movie i don't know do we want to go into spoilers we, we probably should because it's um, hard it's hard to even talk about like concepts it's right it's, without the it's sort of the the whole thing i mean aside from what's on the cover that uh he dies and goes to the afterlife um I don't know what the and even yeah, the description I mean, I guess the... does the description say he dies i'm assuming that's what it is yeah chris nielsen dies in an accident and enters heaven but when he discovers that his beloved wife annie has killed herself out of grief over the loss he embarks on an afterlife adventure to reunite with her man that feels like um, that's full of spoilers right there <laughs> like she doesn't he doesn't find that she kills herself until like halfway through the movie yeah it's halfway through the movie um yeah, I'm going to hit the bell here, because okay. beyond that, the the whole rest of the movie rests on a lot of big reveals, mm-hmm. um, and, twisty, and I twisty. don't want to spoil those. So, yeah, I'm going to hit the bell here. We're going to talk about the plot of What Dreams May Come in detail. So if you've not seen it and don't want to be spoiled on the various reveals or the ending, uh, skip ahead for our final thoughts. So what do you think of the reveals? We'll start with that. Um, kind of they're not twisty but surprise did you did you call them i guess no they phase into it a little bit um with the daughter with the daughter um i don't think i realized until the later scenes when he's talking to her and she's in bed that there's a daughter and a son uh just i mean that's a little bit of of dating it there the the haircut and the aesthetic style of the daughter mm. is not 
immediately obvious as as, sure. a, as a girl. Sure. Um, that's a terrible thing for me to say, but no, that's, I, how I, that's that's very true. That I felt watching it, um, and the the earlier scenes focus a lot on the sun. Um, yeah. You know, as they're as yeah. they're setting up for that accident, uh, that car accident. Um, I still was kind of surprised that the sun, I kept expecting the sun to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you I really was didn't not see expecting the, it being him, being him. Yeah, I mean, even though they've already established that the daughter looks like Keiko O'Brien and she's obviously not Asian, right? Um, or I think Hawaiian was the implication there, but right. um, or older, you know, all that kind of stuff. Older, all that kind of stuff, and so then. By the time they got to the reveal that it's actually the the his character has a title um, the tracker mm-hmm. is uh, Max von Sydow was actually was actually the doctor who we never see the doctor in life in life right right it's he he thinks he thinks Cuba Gooding Jr. is the doctor um, Albert mm-hmm. and so by the time they got to that third reveal I was like okay sure like how small how small is this afterlife that it's all and i i get that he you know now that i'm describing it he albert says that early on that it's you know everybody has their own kind of uh world in yeah, their this, own universe right this, what they need in this and... version of the afterlife so sure everybody here is actually somebody who knew chris robin williams in in life and to really um, blow your mind, maybe none of them are. Like it could be that all it's all on his head, what he needed, and and sure they're in their own universe, and he's in his own universe, and they're not actually them; they're manifestations. That's where it gets deep, that kind of stuff of him. Um, yeah, and and I don't know. I don't want to say that I was disappointed by the ending. Um, I was. Because, I'll say that. Well, not not the ending, ending, but like the pre, the pre ending when after all the warnings and fears, like he does manage to save her without losing oh. himself. I didn't mind that. Um, I didn't like the ending, ending. <laughs> I didn't. Like I said, I didn't. I didn't not like it. It just felt easy. Um, well, that's why it fits me well. <laughs> right, sure. Well, that, that, that's, um, to speak to that, I, I, I know how you, what you're saying here, and I, and I want to say, I want to say something about that because it does speak to me. I felt all the way through this. This is such a heavy, deep, and very sad movie that I was pretty certain they were just going to take what I'm say, thought of was the easy way out, where it has a sad, tragic ending. Like that felt very obvious to me the whole time. Was that this is just right. going to end bad, you know? And then when he slips into, like, I'm going to join you in hell, basically. I thought mm-hmm. this is, yep, this is the sad ending. This is the sad. I I wasn't sure how bad they were going to get with a, a sad ending, but this is it. They're both going to be just in hell together. And I was prepared for that to not like it. And and the reason I do like it is actually because she comes together out of it and brings him out. And it's funny that you said that feels easy to, to you. And that's fair. That's a very fair thing because if you're making a dark, sad movie, it should be okay to have a dark, sad ending. 
Um, right. Like but. what I thought, I mean, when he comes back out, like he's going to, he comes back out of the house, like he's going to give up. I'm like, okay, this is not, this is not how it ends. Like, oh yeah. Right. Yeah. D- definitely not. Like he's going to go back. And then when it's, there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say subtlety, but there's a lot going on in the writing where you, you know, and, and things are repeated. So you're like, mm, what yes, is, yes. what did the son mean when he said, say what you said, you know, and, and, and we get bits and pieces of the story mm-hmm. um, because so much of the runtime is just on the fantastical. And, and that's a way that the movie did age well is there's very little in the special effects that looks bad. Yeah, sure. And now, that's, despite, which, which is crazy because they're in a painting for a while. You know? Because of all the paint like the paint and there's you know it helps that there's not like yes things are fantastical but they're not you know it's not quantum mania uh fantastical <laughs> right um, which is pretty terrible we make worse movies with special effects now than they did then but, yeah. just so much so much cgi that you you can't even i mean and there is a lot that you're like what's real and what's not but it's all still like you know he sort of flies Right. Like maybe that part where he's like running fast, sort of flying. There's a little bit where I was like, what's going on? Is he falling or is he flying? No, no. Or or the people in in her universe, kind of the ones that are the ballerinas with her flying. I don't want to say circus people where they are kind of type stuff. Those were a little fantastical. But yeah, the, the, um, what were we saying there? Uh, with, with the, oh, I know it's the line. When he comes back out, I really like that you. I'm glad that you mentioned it when he comes back out because I also felt that way. I was like, this doesn't make sense that they're going to do this. At that point, I was waiting for a tragic ending, and he, when he does the, um, I he was he's heartbroken that he wasn't able to go there with her when the kids died. That you know that how she was shattered and went to a mental right. hospital, and and he feels that he failed her. He says something like that, like, I'm so sorry that I I wasn't able to go with you there. And that's where he feels he failed her. And when he said that as a reason to go back in, that's when I was 100 percent sure he it's going to be a sad, tragic ending. But I'm going to add the beautiful word to it, a beautifully tragic ending, because he is giving a pure love of himself to her. Right. Um, That's sort of what I expected. Like either I didn't I didn't expect that after the whole journey he would get down there and just fail. Right. Right. Like like the the tracker said, you know, that he was gonna say his words and then go back up to be with um his children and Yeah. And all of that. But then when he goes back in, I was more expecting you know, once she becomes lucid, once she remembers, and then and then he doesn't, that was where, and I don't know if this is like, if they would do this this way now, you know, there definitely were movies with sad or tragic endings in the late 90s, but, um, I, you know, it's, some time has passed since then, 20 plus years, 25 years, um, I was kind of expecting to like, um, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe not to end this way, but to, 
but to linger there a little longer, give you a little more doubt that his sacrifice saves her, but it's his sacrifice. Like he stays and loses himself, but saves her. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know that they could have just ended the movie that way. Um, I thought they were going to. I really did. I mean, when I first time I watched it, I remember like, but it, but it comes. I, I felt like it comes back out of it pretty quick. It does. Um, it, it feels like yeah. he touched bottom, like he touched the bottom of the, of the ocean, right where she was. Yeah. And he yeah. and and he sat there, and and then at one for one moment they were both there at the bottom of all things, and then it pulls her back out, kind of like the came up for a breath, but he's still sinking in the ocean type stuff. So, but it was like a desperate, a desperation of if we're both here at the same time, we're done. Right. So if they were more than a second, uh, it, they would have died, I guess, or been, or been in forever in hell. Um, sure. Right. And then the, the final, the reincarnation ending was just weird to me. Yep. I wasn't a fan of that. <laughs> just, just really wasn't. I just, because... I'm like, okay, you've, you've established that in this, um, mythology, whatever you want to call it, that reincarnation is real, but they're going to choose to be reborn, hopefully find each other again. And sure, that's sweet. And then, you know, their kids will still be there. But what if they like, they get married, they have more kids. Like have they, yeah, what, is, what is that? That just raises so many questions. And then the movie ends with a couple of literal children, like, like six year olds, flirting on a on a dock and i'm like no no yeah no. Not, not, none of that was i didn't like any of that <laughs> i mean <laughs> that you were talking about things that happened too quickly was that like the, the i get what he said where like the only thing that really is real is back the real world because that has meaning i guess right because it has sure. consequences um yeah. I, I appreciated the sentiment there but for Pete's sakes, spend a couple weeks at least in heaven, right, together. <laughs> uh, and I know time doesn't matter, but come on. They they, they just literally went through hell to, to, with each other to find each other and to come back. And now they have their kids back. And the whole concept of, oh, they'll be back, I thought exactly what you said. Like, I'll have more kids. Not only that, what if it's a tragic life? What if, like, they went through life and he was a very successful and rich, rich doctor and they granted they lost both their kids but they didn't lose them to like severe deformity that he didn't get burned in a fire to die you know it wasn't there's so many terrible other things in life that could have happened that they can go right. through right? right or maybe they don't find each other until they're 98 years old and then just do and then one dies right yeah uh so it just felt like that's a what a terrible ending for that you, you know they if anything they they're soulmates. They should deserve eternity together and happiness. Um, but yeah, did did was not a fan of that. And that's the that's the one thing, by the way, that keeps me from recommending it or watching it more. Actually, the whole movie. I we were talking to Trotsky. Said this is one of those movies that I watch once. I think about it for a while, for a long while, and I'll continue to think about it. But I don't watch it again because right. I don't. I don't want to like. I don't want to explore what they're trying to tell me. That wasn't the thing I got out of it. Um, mm. I don't want to. 
I didn't get at least a, a preachy message. I got a here's some high concepts. Think about it with in the frame of a right. person's journey. Um, so, and, but yeah, and it's it been twenty five years. It doesn't it, seem so. like it doesn't seem like the kind of movie that begs a rewatch. Yes, right. But, like, but that doesn't make like it not you, good. It just no, it's... no. Just in it, like like yes, you have that idea of you watch it and you think about it a lot. Like uh, for me, the first movie I remember doing that with was Memento. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Because there's so like you get so much in the reveal, you kind of you know. For me, I thought about it for days afterwards when I first saw it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that movie, you watch it again. And you see more, you see the foreshadowing. Maybe you start to pick up that, like, one of the stories is in black and white and the other one is in color. And you start to piece more of it together. No, no, I didn't watch it because I'm not a repeat movie watcher, generally. Mm. Um, I didn't watch it several times, but I watched it again for the podcast and probably at least once in between there. Um, But this movie, I feel like I saw all of it. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't think there was any like, because of the way the information was delivered, I don't think there was foreshadowing that I missed. There wasn't. Or that, that or anything like that. Not at all. Like, yes. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get any more information out of watching it again. No, Um, that, it it was. Unless years go by and I forget, right? No, (laughs) yeah, no, right. It was framed. Well, I, that's, that's what I, that's something I did want to say on our conversation here was what I got out of the second viewing many years later was uh, the appreciation for how the director and writers told the story in that there wasn't any foreshadowing and that's okay because when you needed to figure it out, they gave you the things that you needed to know. Like, for example, right. you don't know that he says, I would go to hell and back. There's only one man I'd go to hell and back with until that's the moment when you need to know that he's his son. And they don't yeah. tell you, they don't show you that scene before. They show it when you right. are supposed to realize that he's going to go to hell and back with his son. When you need it. And it, and it almost takes too long for that reveal to all play out like they're there and they keep jumping like they jump to this flashback and he has this tender moment with his son and you're like okay this is all it's all kind of exposition because you're like you've gotten little hints about what's going on with his son at school and then he has this weird conversation where like he's he's been pushing him christy's been pushing him too hard and now he's you know if I had to go through hell, there's no, and I'm like, that's a weird thing to say. And it's, you know, it's obviously for this scene that's happening in the frame. Um, but you don't get it until then. And it's still this sort of, it jumps back and forth and back and forth. And I'm like, what's going on? Is his son going to just show up? And I don't know. I'd kind of forgotten, but I also don't really watch movies this way. I'd forgotten the reveal with the daughter. Um, and, I I didn't get it when it, when it was doing it, when I first watched it either until, until they were giving us this very overt note, guys, this is the son reveal note. He's talking to his son a lot. Note we're flashing back to Cuba Gooding as he looks at the fire, he's getting more and more like it's it. I didn't know it because they didn't foreshadow it. 
I don't think it was it was supposed to like a lot of these movies where they have these reveals. You're supposed to maybe oh I figured it out before then. Right. Uh, this really was like that's not important. At what's what's happening because if you're trying to figure something out, you're missing the story we're trying to tell about the love and the the love love relationship. Or you're missing mm-hmm. if you're trying to figure some a twist out coming up, then we actually want you to be focusing on the daughter relationship right now, like. We don't want right. to foreshadow because we don't want you to try to think that's this kind of a movie, even though it's got those elements in it, which I thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and does it? It doesn't make you have to rewatch it to figure that out because there isn't. You're not going to go back and see that. Um, right. Uh, it, if anything, you can kind of appreciate that. That's the second thing gave me is I appreciated that that I I wasn't told that that Doc was um, it's his Doc, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, was his no. son. No, I didn't, no, no mm-hmm. point would I have figured that out. They're, they didn't, you no. know, the only way I could have is that when I did reveal the daughter was if I was like, okay, who's the, who's the, the son? But it didn't um, quite figure that out. The, do- the the long explanations you talk about with the son, I totally agree with. They also did it with the daughter. Um, when they start revealing the daughter, they take her into the world, the, her fantastical world. As soon as they start showing her bedroom with all the, the ballerinas and the dolls that look exactly like the things that are happening. I'm like they're really, really, really want us to know that this is the daughter, you know, and mm-hmm. that they're in the daughter area. Uh, and they don't want to be subtle about it until it happens. Right. And I think even when it, when it happened, I was a little surprised and I thought, Oh, how mm-hmm. did I not get that? They were trying to tell me that this is the daughter the whole time. Um, I so. think, I think the movie, because it's all so, um, kind of abstract and fantastical. Mm-hmm. It sort of, I don't know, to me, it sort of switches. And again, I, I don't really do this, but I think if you are that kind of person looking for foreshadowing, I think the the way that the that the afterlife is portrayed kind of switches that off, right? You're like, okay, well, nothing, nothing here makes any kind of sense. And yeah. she paints the tree and it shows up to, show their soulmates and that's extremely rare and all that stuff but you're like i have no idea like okay sure you just take it because it's how it's presented you take it all as at face value that what um these only two characters that he's spoken to are just being straight with him yeah right and so you're not looking for any kind of i don't i don't want to say deception but you're not looking for any kind of foreshadowing tricks like that yeah right yeah i you know a second watch did give me a little bit too was a little bit a more heavy deeper thought with the meta of this um is when the tracker keeps saying that you're distracted by your son and you're losing the signal on your wife uh mm-hmm. and, and he kept getting angry at that and he, that's why he wanted him to cast off his son was because he kept thinking about his son and I, and then once he, he stopped, he's once his son went away, it was just all of a sudden now the directors are cutting away to scenes of the wife, like, and, and what they went through and their relationship. And that's when they revealed the, the double D day um, and her with the, you know, it, all of a sudden it's focusing on her and I'm like, okay, so this is not, this is a mystical world. Right. So mm-hmm. his mind, when he's replaying these flashbacks, 
in a normal movie frame, those are told for our point, our benefit, so that we, because these characters would already know these things, right? And they're just, they're just directors will show a flashback so to inform the audience about what happened in these characters' pasts. This feels right. like he's actually reliving them, and that's the way he's able to focus on his wife. Uh, so it made me think on this second viewing that's like, oh, his he's going to the place. Like he's actually physically remembering, and it's not just remembering, but he's reliving it um, each scene in real time. And then it cuts back to the where he's at, you know, with the heads or the bodies and the floor and stuff. And it just goes back. So that's his reality, which is a completely fabricated thing uh, that he's in. And it includes reliving his past. So it's just a weird meta. And it comes back to what you said at the very beginning, very first thing you said with this. It's weird. It's just a, a weird thing. Not that that's bad or good, but it's very weird um, to think of it. So I, I give the writers super props for writing something so i don't know weird we're going to use that word and then it's, for a director it's based and a company on a book, to pick it which up. made me wonder made me wonder what the book is like because so much of this film is so visual yeah i'm like does the does the book describe his heaven as being made completely out of paint because that seems like something weird to describe in a book i know and then and um, then and then someone had to take it and adapt it to a screenplay and then right a, 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 a production company had to green light it with this high conceptual thing and then a director had to be able to translate that vision into a visual medium from that all that seems like wow some people like a, really took like a chances a heaven made out of an oil painting seems to me like somebody, something someone would come up with for a movie. Right. <laughs> okay, and so maybe. I'm like, n not, not something somebody would put in a book. Yeah. Because it's so, like, I mean, maybe, but um, it's just, again, so visual. I, I wonder if the word. book is really good. Like, the book is just well, well written that you can make up your own concepts or something it's got to be yeah, like be was confusing. was it was the paint thing in the book or was there something else in the book that you know is easy to describe with words but you know next to impossible to convey on screen at this time without being you know the cgi they had available at the yeah. time which is 98 so it's not nothing right we're only two years from lord of the rings but yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. <clears throat> that was pretty good uh yeah so I, and I mean, Oh, great. Yeah, it was also strange to me that they made such a big deal about the reveal of the sun, and then the sun immediately goes out of the picture. Like we don't, I don't oh, know. So, if we even so does the daughter, right? Like he sees her, and then she's gone. Right, and then once he gets his wife back, they're like, oh, "Our kids will still be here. Let's let's be reborn and and try to find each other again." It's just so such a. I keep saying weird. Just a strange. Just strange choices. Yeah, that um, all, all three the, of those are reasons. The, the, the things that I would say are negatives of of the thing is that they gave mm -hmm. us a bit of a release, and I know it's just a movie, but they just didn't give us like I thought that maybe the daughter would continue to be part of this, and then the son. You get it now; they can actually go on it. No, none of that really happened. And even even the doc, like when they reveal him, he's done then, right? Right. So, uh, so pulling out of this kind of stuff, I uh. I do recommend this movie to people who are 
I, I recommend it to people who want a deep thinking. So let's say let's say bad word, thinky movie, a deep conceptual mm-hmm. movie, um, and that's about the afterlife. That that's a narrow category. But if someone says, I you know, I'd like a deep conceptual movie about like something about the afterlife, this is my go-to thing. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a rare thing. For someone, I can't even think of any very few of our friends that would would want that. Would hear that and go, sure, that seems like something I want to see. Especially as it pertains to death, right? You're dealing with death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and heck, even reading that thing you said, but but there are other movies, and you mentioned City of Angels earlier, that are also that other people have seen. And if you've seen those kind of movies and you know that, that what it kind of deals with, it can be interesting. And if you find that interesting, then go watch what dreams may come because it's also in that same kind of way. If you're interested in that stuff. So yeah, I would recommend this to people only if they like those other movies. Right. Mm -hmm. But man, I I couldn't just straight out out of the, out of the blue, tell somebody go watch this right now. Um, at all. But I, I still give the movie a thumbs up and I, and I really enjoyed it because I actually do, like that high conceptual makes you think put some introspection in yourself um, sure a little abstract abstract kind kind of stuff and cuba gooding jr is fantastic robin williams makes you feel the feelings you're supposed to have uh and <laughs> and, it, and that works uh so did they i don't know if they won awards or nominations for this but if not they should have had some kind of nomination for it because it was it won it won an oscar for visual effects. Oh, yeah. Well, Let's there there you go. You, you mentioned that in the spoiler section a lot. So, uh, mm-hmm. well, I put you on the spot here, Dennis, but uh, it's your pick this week. It's my pick. Um, when but, are you traveling back? Uh, Wednesday. I'll be back actually, like, basically Thursday morning. So you'll have the weekend in a couple days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I I held on to this very deep, heavy movie for the right time. And I don't know if it was the right time, but I'm glad we're past what I see as the heaviest movie on our thing. Hopefully you pick something that's not heavy. I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. It's a weird okay. thing that we followed it up to How I Married an, uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer. But... That's true. I mean, they're both... They're both uh, romance stories. What <laughs> w- way to draw a parallel, though, Dennis? Good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so not rain over me. Um, <laughs> You're eliminating her. Our... All right, I'm gonna. Have you ever seen The Room? I have not. That's okay. isn't I don't that Brie any... Larson. Captain Marvel? I think so, maybe. That's the one that everybody um, says she's like the best actress in the world because. And then I, I don't see anything. I don't really great. Think she, she won an award for something, but I don't think it was this. Oh, okay. I think this movie is famous for being bad. Uh, oh. But I hear it. I hear it come up in uh, in in conversation. It might be a little bit like the lighthouse which i assume you haven't seen um that movie i found very baffling um (laughs) was that a leo 
Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Uh, Lighthouse? No, it's um, or Daniel Radcliffe. It's tw- it's Twilight and um, uh, and uh, shoot. Why am I blanking on this? It's um, Twilight and Batman. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Bella. And and Willem Dafoe. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't see that. I had I had G. K. Simmons in my head. I'm like, I know that's not right. Sure. Uh, Different, (laughs) different uh, um, classic Spider-Man character. Right. Sure. Uh, Green Goblin. Um, yeah, let's let's watch the room. I've had that on my list for a while. Um, okay. I don't know anything about it, so it might be terrible. I might regret this horribly. But yeah, well, we got we got to give it a shot and you know see see how it goes. I'm I'm okay with something, especially since we've both not seen it. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna pivot here a little bit. We only got like t- less than ten minutes left. Uh, Strange New Worlds season two episode one happened. And I think anyone who was, listens to this show even a little bit would be greatly disappointed if we didn't talk about it the very first time it comes out, as much as we right. gush about the entire series every day. Mm-hmm. So it happened, we launched, and we're sorely disappointed in this series that they didn't do anything <laughs> as good, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Crushing, crushing disappointment. No, honestly, <laughs> Sorry. I... Um... Okay, I'm gonna hit the bell here because I don't. You just go straight wanna... into how you feel about it, okay? Because I don't, I don't. Re... I watched it kind of late, and the second half is a little fuzzy to me. Um, well, people so who I'm are in spoilers, remember... I want to clarify that was a joke that I said. So don't think we're going into spoilers yes, because it's bad. Yes. Yeah. We're not. No, definitely not. Okay, I'm hitting the bell. We're gonna talk about Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, season two, episode one. Uh. And my um, my highest level hot takes here are I am a little disappointed to have a whole episode without Pike. <laughs> oh, you're gonna get you're gonna get an episode with just Pike and Una next next one. By the way, maybe maybe I I um, I know that I've I've read over people have seen the season and oh, say it's like while. While he's doing that, yes, that's right, because he's going to the thing. I watched it like right away, and it's now been almost a week ago. Yeah, um, yeah, he goes to, and so the the details are coming back. I, I'm, I, what uh, there was an, a non spoiler review of the, the first so many episodes of the no, no, the, the whole series people have seen is that, um, there people were giddy at how every episode almost has like the first season. They say has a genre ish to it, and they say, and, okay. and I heard it say that we get a kind of a courtroom drama type thing, and I have a feeling that's what's happening next. And they said we get time with just Una and Pike, and I'm like, oh, okay, so that's that's why I know Pike wasn't in this one. And you're right, I was disappointed, but I know I'll get full on Pike probably next one with just him, which I'm sure. forward, I look forward to. So I yeah. think it's a valid thing. That'll be great. But yeah, um, yeah. the the other thing. I love Ethan Peck, but did you, did you not like his thing? You didn't like his thing? I, I no, I didn't like his thing. It reminded me of <laughs> Trotsky's. It was, it rem- his, he, it was his favorite part of the whole episode. He watched of it, course, and rewind it. Of, 
of course it was. Um, no, it reminded it reminded me too much of uh, of our friends when we did Klingons and Dragons. Um, when when Captain Chris said "Make it go," I'm like that's so close to what he said. Um, though it was funny that they. I mean, it's very uh, uh, it's very lower decks of them to sort of fourth wall break and and talk about the thing the go go line yeah um i felt like over the course of the episode it was rough and of course it's a it's a big ask for an actor to portray spock in this like this sort of interpretation of of vulcan psychology that he's broken his control and he doesn't quite have his control and he he has to sort of in as much as there's a main character in star trek um he has to kind of be the main character of this episode oh for um, sure yeah yeah and it's and it's a lot like he's doing all these things right like he's mm-hmm. he's captaining the ship he's stealing the ship he's so so you know he's going against protocol which is very non spock he's struggling with romantic feelings for nurse chapel and that there's all that going on like he's being asked to do a lot so i don't yeah yeah i don't mean to uh diminish his performance um but i don't i don't know that at all times he and and part of that is because let me finish a sentence before starting the next one i don't know that he pulled all of those things off and part of the reason i say that is because Anson Mounts Pike is so amazing to me. Just every moment he's on screen, he is, he is just perfect in this role. He's the main Uh, character, right? Like, and, and, and so he has set the bar very high. Sure. uh, For this series. I I, I believe that. So, all right, you, you watched it twice. So you're going to remember more details than I did. Sure. Uh, What do you got? Well, Well, Spock, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on 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 all of that, um, and I appreciate actually that you said how difficult it's that you noted how difficult the the things he's going to have to do this season are. Um, I'm a little excited about it because uh, this character is done to death. Um, it's it's one of the reasons I don't really care to watch another Kirk thing is because I've you know I've sure. seen Kirk already. I thought. Original Kirk was one thing, and then we've got Pike, uh, Chris Pine Kirk, which was great, and we really delved into that character everything. I'm like, ah, just, you know, I was obviously not the biggest TOS fan anyway, so then to go back to this well again felt very exhausting. Um, sure. And only reason I was okay with Spock was because the actor's fantastic, and he knocked it out of the park in in um, Discovery. And I thought, okay, mm-hmm. This is the, really the only one. Now they're doing Ohura. Okay, sure. And I know that they'll face, they've will they got Kirk in there and they're going to have more of that. And Scotty will come around at some point. I have some faith because the way they did Spock initially that it's going to be good. But I really don't want to watch the same tired characters again. I know it's exciting for people who are massive fans of Montgomery Scott and just do anything they can to get anything to see him in. But I saw him in... The next generation and they explored that character again and i've seen him in four mm-hmm. four movies and i've seen him you know just enough but to be able to take a character like spock 
and I'm sure they'll do this with the other ones too, and then just give you a whole different way to explore him is super fun. And that makes me excited to watch stuff. So they're going to give us a season at least of him having actual emotions because it's true. Even Nimoy said, it's not that he doesn't have emotions. He totally does. He just, you know, always suppresses them. Um, And he's human. So that makes it even worse. Um, And I mean, it reminds me that reminds me of the early episodes of discovery when they set up Michael Burnham as this human raised by Sarek. And I thought we were going to get some of that yeah battling logic emotion kind of stuff and instead all we got after a season was just emotion emotion and then pure emotion emotion. uh yeah and and i don't know if we'll get that from spock because i don't think ethan peck is delivering that to us he's still giving us a lot of logic uh but with the the slip-ups constantly um and i think that's wonderful so i'm i'm just really excited about that because you know we know spock as logic spock through TOS, there was only a few times where he let it slip. And he rarely ever let it slip at any time during any of the other ser- the movies, unless it was intentional, right, to show that, or part of the character development. But he was still always very logical, all the way through even the Abrams verse. He's a logical person. And the next generation, when he's older, he's logical. So now we get to explore an emotional Spock, and that makes me happy. Um, and not only does it make me happy, I now I want to see Montgomery Scott. Like I want to know the way they'll explore a character differently than we've seen all the other times before. Um, but still staying true to character because he'll, he'll, we know he'll come back to logic, but Mm -hmm. you know, he's going to have a period of time here. Uh, I'll tell you, I think Umbenga and Chapel are awesome. I love their characters. I love how they interact with each other. Um, the, and I like that they're giving them a little bit more, but I don't understand the fighting part of it. Like, why did they just have to have a 30 minutes of them doing hand-to-hand combat the whole time? Um, that that was really strange. That, that I think, to me, maybe part of it was the slow motion. <laughs> so much slow motion. Yeah. Um, that was the weakest part of the episode to me. I was like, what is going on? What are they doing with these characters? I don't, I don't think I want any of this. Yeah, it was fine. But I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're going to, and I with these two was part of it. And in the recap at the beginning, they mention they're very clear. I watched it twice about mentioning that my crew has gone through a lot in the Klingon War, which, by the way, just ended. And then um, I forget her name. I say it's is it Ortega? It's the helmsman. Uh, uh-huh. She um, says, Erica. Yeah, she says, yeah, I've learned about. enough about hiding from Klingons. Like, they're mentioning the fact that these people are affected by the Klingon war. I have a feeling they're going to explore that this season. Just just to remind us that this series is a Discovery spinoff. Right. Or, or I mean, we knew that the Klingon war ended in TOS, right? Didn't they mention that a couple times? Uh, that the, Since the war, they would always say in the original series. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Right. So, um, but anyway, uh, that's what I think that they were going with, with Chapel and Mbenga, was that they have something that's a little bit more visceral in during the war, but it just felt really weird. They have, they've, they've really established themselves already. Um, 
in the first season yeah. and now they're kind of branching out it's fine i'm you know it wasn't terrible but it just felt man it's i wasn't too excited how do you think of the new engineer she's guinan's race is she i don't think he calls her something else that that's her race. somebody that's a, i i looked that up afterwards i was like what is that and like oh yeah that's a guinan race is it because i i swore they called whatever I'm, starts with an l i believe in in next generation and in the movie generations because the villain in that movie is also they say elorian but Elorian, I thought l it's l l orion uh elorian um but i swore that spock called her something i don't know maybe i was too tired by that point i was watching this episode um I also spent a bunch of time digging on IMDb because I was almost certain this actress who uh, was famous, and I'm not going to remember her name now, but I I assumed slash guessed that she had been in the show before, right? That we were just randomly getting, like, um, <clears throat> uh, the doctor from Next Generation that everybody hated um Pulaski yeah right right she was a girl of the week in the original series okay right and so it's like bring bring somebody back she's playing a different character right because it's not um those two original series and and next generation were far enough apart that none of the humans were still living aside from you know, was Spock, who's not not fully human, and Scotty, who does the transporter hack to to survive. Um, and so I thought that's what, but I couldn't find credit anywhere. But she's been in a bunch of stuff, right? She was, uh, um, what's name's wife, Miracle Max in, um, yes, um, in Princess Bride, and very distinctive voice that she has right we watched joe versus the volcano and she plays the hairdresser in that montage when he is going around with the limo driver doing all this stuff right she's she's been in a million things over the years and i was like this is a strange character what are they doing with this and then they give that reveal at the end that she knew amanda right spock's mother i'm like okay all right i see there's this this is a this is a long long arc character um but up till that point like the stuff she was doing on the ship was like what okay sure I'm weird, but... <laughs> oh i i will say i i did i want i want to correct my mistake it's not a kind of our elorians and she's a lanthanite is what she is lanthanite i thought that they I, I thought that i had read that they were related in some how but i i could be wrong. i mean it sounds it sounds very similar right because that's that's Guinan's story that she you know they established that in next generation when the when the gang meets mark twain um that she was on earth for decades and centuries or at least was there for a while and then maybe left and came back um but this this lanthanite thing sounds like something similar. I don't know if it's new or if it's um, 
sounds like you looked it up, so maybe it's on Memory Alpha or something. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I just kind of I was looking at the, the different race names between the two of them, and they are different. But I'll have to do a little bit more digging. I can't remember where I had read that because afterwards I watched the first episode. I did a little bit of little bit of digging, but I did I obviously crossed the wrong obstacle. But yeah, they're right. They're they're both long lived races. That we'll figure that out. But she does. The her, is human. I like her voice because it's such a weird, distinct voice. But <laughs> um, I, I want more of her so I can figure out if I like her a lot. I think she, I don't think she's mm. gonna, I don't think she's going to run into a, I hate her, but I think she might run into a, I really really like her and the character, but I don't know enough yet. Right. Um, you know, if she's playing off, she, obviously she's going to have some things with Spock. Um, and she's kind of mischievous, maybe. Um, sure. But she's also a, a Starfleet officer in the in the space dock, so like a whole crew chief. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Here we are at the first episode, and not not really sure. I would have rather had a little bit more time with her and the heist of the Enterprise than just you know melee combat time. But it's fine. So yeah, I it's good. It's fun. You know, we got, we got, uh, looks, oh yeah. How about the ending? Yeah. Or you think the season is going to be about the, uh, the bag, the new, new bag, or new slash old bad guys. Um, what are they called? The lizard people. The Gorn. The Gorn. Cause they show that at the end that the Gorn ship appears on the scopes. Yeah. 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 That's it's interesting. Gonna, I didn't, I didn't it, know there was a Gorn war, but you know, we know that Kirk fights a Gorn. At some point, right? Yeah, they the Gorn. That's all part of um, Laon's story in season one. Yeah, it's a big part of her story, right? Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I hope they don't move too into uh, season long story arcs. Um, yeah, yeah. Because you know we have enough of that. I, part of what I liked about season one was that it was more episodic this um, one feels you, it's this... it, it's hard to be full episodic these days unless you're doing a sitcom or something so i get that yeah but... well you know season one definitely had serial things in it like it did it right. did yeah and so far I, I can see this being obviously it's one episode we can't tell i can see this being episodic this feels like an episode one but definitely had some overarching things and i and if if i'm right then next we'll get just a full episodic episode of just uh, Pike and Una. Uh, right. And that, but I don't know. I don't know. You're right. We, we won't know until we see a couple more of these. Um, yeah. But anyway, we're, we're a little over time. But I thought, you know, I, thought, I still think it's thumbs up. I'd love to see him again. And you're right. I love seeing Pike and we didn't get any Pike, but <laughs> we, we did get a rest, some more rest of the crew. And I don't have, really bad things to say about the discovery crew but man do i like every person on the enterprise crew they're yeah very interesting i mean even like i heard some people in in season one thought that the actress playing uhura was weak um and i mean maybe compared to everybody else but that's just because everybody else is so stellar it's so stellar and she was played by Michelle Nichols and Zoe Saldana. It's that's hard to live up to. What's that yeah. character? Yeah. Um, and I appreciated that in the credits they dedicated 
happy episode to Michelle. That was yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that was sad face. Healing frequencies always open forever. Very sweet. Heart. All right. We're running long on time here. So, uh, anyway, where, where are my notes? Too many things. We're going to get a, a, a lower decks crossover. I have no idea how they're going to do that because they're from the at way future. At some point, they're going to they're going to find an anomaly or a, a <laughs> an anomaly. That's just the word we use, right? <clears throat> it's going to have something to do with tachyons because tachyons as, are a time thing. As Data would say, a highly localized distortion of the space time continuum. There, there you go. Or, or Q shenanigans. Q shenanigans. Ah, oh, there we go. And we don't know about it yet. <laughs> yep. Although, no, I guess I guess the first time Q shows up is Encounter at Farpoint. So I would probably not. He, he wouldn't go. Oh, the first time we know about like, Q's race is, is Encounter? I mean, uh, I don't know if this is canon, but I've heard that the character... What do they call him? There's an episode of original series where they find a guy on a planet who has Q-like powers. Oh. They wouldn't say Q-like then because it's original series. Uh Um, And he... It's one of those things where he was rescued. Like, he he didn't start as that, but he was rescued by near-omnipotent beings. And so they catch him, like, toying with um, with Kirk and the gang. And send him back. And so I think retroactively and again i don't know if this is official or if i read this in a um a novel or something um that he was uh one of those but of course that's the big encounter far point is that whole yeah uh, i mean they, they could they could have a different finds them and q puts them on trial in there true true yeah all right well we'll see yeah um yeah You've been listening to Front Porch. This is episode 302. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. Our buddy Fox there has reviews on things. I know that he has seen Indiana Jones 5 and something else that just... Elemental. 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 I think think that's out to general audiences now, but... Yeah, uh, he saw that one, Elemental, and um, the other uh, Flash is what he's seen. Yeah, Flash. Um, which, which all three I hope to see next weekend. So, I might have to yeah, I've heard mixed things about Flash, bad things about Indy Five, and exactly what I expected from the Pixar movie. Elemental. Same, same, same on all three of those. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to reach out to us and explain everything we're wrong about. Uh, Trek continuity, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you can find contact forms and show notes when relevant. I don't think we have any this week, but I had a couple last week. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you'd leave us a good review, we always appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.